right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hello, how's it going? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That was a quick out of the music with Adam Drovetta. I'm Derek Johnson, RCST, brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile has amazing deals for everyone at any of the Lawrence locations. Don't choose between value or coverage. Get both. With T-Mobile, we have more RCST trivia coming at you today. We venture into the second round, three matchups with Ryan and Ben, a 13-5 matchup. We've got a 1-8 matchup with Isaac and Nick, and we've also got an 11-3 matchup with Quinton and Alex. Those coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We also have David Lesky of Inside the Crown joining the show at about 3.40 here. And then at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll get to the case of the Mondays. Um, over the weekend, we said this on Friday. We expect it to happen. It did. So not really a huge surprise. But uh, Christian Brown announced that he is going to be testing the waters. Um, we can play the, you know, read in between the lines, read the tea leaves type of game and say, oh, well, he said this here or this phrase here makes it sound like he's leaving or makes it sound like he's whatever. doesn't matter. He is testing the draft waters. Um and apparently he is leaving it open that he could possibly come back. Now, if you remember last year, Ochag Baji, it sounded like, based on the messaging, he was gone for sure. And I think that was the idea. But then he eventually came back. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, Which is weird because, I, I mean, the I thought that was even weird at the time because unless Abaji, the only thought is I, I could maybe Abaji got word that he could – because no, nobody had Abaji really even getting drafted last year. But it's possible that he got there and said, okay – and maybe he, he went into it going, okay, I'm probably not ever going to get drafted, but instead he heard, no, I could really turn this thing around and, and jump up. But Brown's a different case. He, he More and more draft boards have him going first round. Yeah, because last year it was like, if Ochai goes, it's going to be like middle second, you know, like and, kind of in the and 40s that was range. kind of maybe. Yeah, yeah, it was like, exactly. Um, whereas Christian, it's like, no, he's for sure getting picked. So not a surprise that he's testing. Did you see this, though? I don't know if you put anything into this. On Twitter, Kansas Men's Basketball tweeted out a picture. Um, what was it? 23rd, so Saturday. And it said, these two. And it had a picture of Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown on the court doing, like, snow angels, essentially, into the confetti. Real quick, sorry. I um, I'm, I apologize to jump into this, but I, there's some quick breaking news relevant. This better be good. Kansas's Lawrence Arnold has decided not to transfer even though he shared last week that he would. Quote, I just think that since they resolved this now, he can just focus on his academics and focus on playing football. His high school coach said that from Zach Boyer of KUSports.com and Lawrence Journal World. Glad you didn't read the rundown. Alright. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Back to the... the Was that in problem. there? Yes, that's the next Son thing we're going to talk gun. about. My bad. Alright, um... I just saw LJ Arnold question mark and didn't open the tweet below it. Yeah. Sorry. So All anyway. right, back to Christian Brown. All right. Um so ruin everything. It had the picture of them doing the snow angels with the uh confetti and yep. um Christian Brown at Jalen Wilson quote tweeting it 
And he does the question mark eyeball emojis. Yeah, those are big. Jalen Wilson, quote, tweets that. Said that confetti did feel good. Yeah, eyeball did. emojis, eyeball emojis. So they're coming back. Is that I enough? I don't know, but between definitive, you've got two. You got what three total eyeball emojis for six eyeballs. So mm. they almost made a spider, mm. which could mean they're both transferring to Richmond. Wait, how many eyes does a spider have? Several. <laughs> I, I I mean more than two. I know a bunch. Yeah. I don't know exactly the exact number. It's terrifying. Mm. Uh, but anyway, regardless. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think these guys really like having fun with, you know, with with the fans and um Yeah, there's probably nothing to it. But who I mean, I I'm sure I'm sure there's something to it in the sense that they both knew it would elicit a reaction, but I don't think it meant they're coming back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. But I, you know, it's it's a fun little I definitely I think, think though to me what it indicates again, it doesn't mean I, like both could go pro. I think what it indicates to me is that they have clearly had the conversation with each other of like, could you imagine if we both came back oh, and won a second trade title? I'm certain that that uh, on the flight back or whatever. I'm certain. I mean, they've you know they've obviously this team has spent probably as much time together that week following the national title. They spent as much time together as they probably did in any given week over the course of the season because they had so many appearances and things like that. Um, it yeah, I'm sure it, it had to have come up and they could have been like, you know what, we look at. The awards Ochai got, um, you know, we would be. I'm sure the concept of NIL has come up. Mm-hmm. Well, um, especially after you see what Nigel Nigel Pack just pulled in. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's which real quick. This is off topic, but it's funny. Jim Larinaga looks just like the type of coach who would be adamantly against NIL. Um, and yet Nigel Pack is getting all. Of I this, see him uh, as a jovial guy. He's always fun. He just—that's true. I just—he just, just kind of has that old, like you know, kind of likes the old that's way ages. sort of thing. It is very. Somebody's going to sue you. Um, um but uh, anyway, he. But back to back to this. Yeah, hey man, I, I'm sure they've, and that's been part of it. That that you know, part of it is, you know, what would be, you know, more fun. Would it be more fun to come back and, and make um, – I do think the difference with Brown, though, is Brown could legitimately – a first-round, I, I haven't seen – I'm almost certain, though, uh, one, first-round picks are guaranteed contracts, but two, they're seven-figure contracts also, yes. right? So there's real, real money to be made there. Um, so I don't think that would over – you know be the deciding factor, but I think, yeah, they've absolutely, I'm sure, sat down and gone, boy – what if, you know? Yeah, and we've we've even seen guys in, like, the early second round get – I mean, like, this is this is from uh, – I forget if this last year or the year before. Uh, yeah, this would have been last year. So, like, some second rounders only get a minimum contract. Some get a two-way contract. That's part of the negotiations, too. Like, uh, a player might be like, hey, I'll take a two-way contract, but you have to guarantee me you'll get drafted or whatever. But you've had other guys who have been like high end second round picks. Like for instance, Isaiah Todd was the first second round pick last year. He got a four year seven million dollar deal. Uh that's a, Jeremiah that's a Robinson rookie? Earl. Yeah, Jeremiah yeah. Robinson Earl, four year seven point nine million dollar deal. First two years guaranteed. So like you're gonna make more than that. But like in the case of Jalen Wilson, where it's probably gonna be a two way deal or a G League deal. Yeah. Like, the fact that Nigel Pack got four hundred thousand dollars, which it is a little bit of a different thing because that clearly seemed to be a guy saying, like a booster of Miami saying, no, I want to buy a recruit. Like, that's different than, I don't view what that guy did as being like, 
hey, this is going to be a sound business yeah. investment. That's the you other know what thing I mean? is, is, is businesses have to consider. Now, sometimes. I don't think that guy cared. I agree. And sometimes there's going to be guys like that that just, they're like, I don't care if, you know, like, let's say you just have this model and you're like, okay, we believe that this person's influence could get us an extra million dollars of business. And, and look, I don't own a business, but I'm just using round numbers. Okay, this person's influence can get us an extra million dollars worth of business. So we'll give them $500,000 to be an influencer for us, okay? Because then you obviously would make that profit of $500,000. I think some of them are going to look at it and go, this will lose me money as far as a business standpoint, but I am a millionaire 10, 12, I don't need the money. I'd rather see my team over. do well. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, like we in Miami's case, we just we had a lead in the Elite Eight. You know, I want right. to get over the hump. So it's it's impossible to say that. Oh, Jalen Wilson's. You know, could be. I don't know. I guess Nigel Pack was first team All Big Twelve, so you could say. You know, as, as far as that, like maybe he is a better player. But in terms of the brand and everything, you could say, oh well, Jalen Wilson gets comparable amount of money. I'm not sure it works like that, but clearly it shows you that there's a lot of money out there for NIL for him to uh, possibly come back. I I just think. That would I I don't know I I don't think the college kids especially if you're in a position to go to the NBA draft really think about this much, but like there has been a thought that's crossed at least my mind and again it's easier for us to do this than the players who again uh, might just want to go pro yeah but like there is a piece of me that's like how special would it be because <laughs> there have been I mean winning a title on its own is unbelievably special the list of teams that have won back to back is insanely low less than you would think. So you have 1945, 1946, Oklahoma State. Okay. 1948, 1949, To give you an idea of how long ago that was in, they were called Oklahoma A&M. Yes, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And by the way, these years are like pre-obviously expanded NCAA tournament, right? There were teams in the tournament back then. San Francisco, 1955 to 1956. Oh, by the way, they had Bill Russell. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati, 1961, 1962. With, um... Is that with Oscar Robertson? I think so, yeah. Probably was. Uh, UCLA, 1964 to 1965. And then UCLA, 1967 to 1973. A bunch in a row, yeah. yeah. Um, but now we get into the territory of since the tournament has been expanded to 64. It's so from what, 84 on, you just have Duke in 91, 92. In Florida. That's two teams. Yeah. So, like, if you... Well, look, we talked ahead. You made I mean, your, that's special. You made your big list, Derek, of... Uh, teams to you know to qualify like these are the things you you that historically are identifiers of teams that could have the best shot of winning the national championship and part of that list was how long it had been since a, a recent national champion had gotten back past the sweet 16 forget winning it all again forget even getting to the final four getting to the elite eight has has eluded every national champion Except since Florida. what 07 Florida? Yeah, who won the title? Who won right. it again? And they were but they to- brought back everybody right. for, but, from a three seed that won the title the year before. Hypothetically, if Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson oh, come yeah. back, you have three out of five starters back, right? If you if you get Brown and and Jalen Wilson back, with this team's a top three eight. McDonald's All Americans. With yeah, this team's top eight, top five ish, somewhere in there. I mean, seriously, and they if- may get the nod of a lot of voters might bump them into the top five because of the Bill Self factor. Um, you know, what they just did last year, chemistry, et cetera. I view that, yeah, I view them. I think they'd be top five if those both come back. If just one comes back, I think you're around that eight range. Neither comes back, you're probably, I don't know, 10 to 12. Would you agree that Brown bumps them more oh, if you sure. had to just pick one? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
I think Brown, if he comes back, he's going to be popping up on like first team All American list in the preseason. Yeah, preseason. Yeah, I mean Shibway will be the runaway favorite for yeah. every national big uh, preseason player of the year. Uh, but but Brown will be on those lists, on those watch lists, and he'll be preseason Big Twelve Player of the Year by far. I so, don't think he'll have competition. I mean, that's what we're talking about, though. If both those guys come back. It's not that you're guaranteed to win the title. It's so dang hard to win in March. I mean, you could lose in the first or second round, or you might have a postseason ban. Who knows? But if you get both back, that starts becoming a real conversation of can you become the first team since Florida? Can you, you know, do all these things that make it even more special? Um, but one thing I'll be paying attention to over the next, like, five weeks, because the the draft deadline is June 1st of, of when you have to stay in or come back. Yeah. Um, so if you remember last year, they added Jalen Coleman-Lands, and of course you can never have enough experience in shooting, and, and Jalen Coleman-Lands seemed to be more than happy in whatever role he could play. So when you have a guy like that, you take him no matter what. Well, you, but, to, you tend to get calm when you turn 35 or 36, Yeah, I know, it helps, right? You have a better, wiser view yeah. of things. But I, I kind of viewed it at the time of it felt like Ochai was leaning towards staying in the draft, and it felt like the Jalen Coleman-Lands move was almost Ochai insurance mm -hmm. to where, again, Ochai ended up coming back, but I think that was probably good signaling from the staff that they weren't sure he was going to come back. And I think things changed at the end there, and he decided to come back. So I guess what I'm saying here is pay attention over the next four or five weeks because if KU makes a specific roster move, it, again, that doesn't guarantee a player's gone or coming back. I think it just signals what they're thinking. I agree. And and Haney said on these airwaves on Friday, he didn't name any specific players, but he just said expect I, – I, well, I don't want to misquote, but he, he, his, his exact words were he would be very surprised if the coaches just stand pat. And that's just, I mean, that's, you know, that's very true based on just look at the history of, of this group of coaches. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think you absolutely would expect movement in the transfer portal. But you're right. You can kind of garner, you can kind of glean from uh, what decisions they make in the transfer portal, um, you know, a, a, as far as what they're thinking might happen. Um, but I, I, I don't know. If I had to pick right now, I would say Wilson probably returns. Uh, Brown comes back. I think, or I mean, sorry, Brown is gone. I think that's the Brown gone. Wilson back is the most likely scenario. Both gone. I think is second most likely. Um, and then both back would be third. I agree. I agree. Okay. Uh, so back to the L.J. Arnold story, which Adam shared. So <laughs> this is from um, L.J. Arnold. Basically, we talked about this. I don't know what it was Thursday or Friday, and that he um, yeah, he seemed to be going in the portal. Yeah. And but then we, we I found mean, out what, something. Saturday he deleted that he tweet. He deleted the tweet and Zach Boyer confirming that he is coming back. That's huge because everything we talked about with the transfer portal was that, you know, this isn't a huge deal because KU should have an opportunity in the portal to bring guys back that are going to be very helpful for them. But then when you lose a guy like that who's projected to be a starting receiver who has, you know, I don't know if he'll be an NFL player, but like body size, he has yeah. an NFL body at 6'5 for a receiver, right? Um, that would be a big loss for this team. But you bring him back, that is as big of a piece of recruiting as Lance Leipold has done. This isn't the, the best way to measure it because there are obviously different, so many different positions on the football field. But one way to put it is I believe, and, and now that he's coming back, this, this, is, you know, this is taken away, but um, L.J. Arnold had been the first, if, I'm, if I am right on this, he had been the first um, player in from to lead, to transfer out of KU who scored a touchdown last season. Correct? Ye yes. I know he had three, but I 
And I, I, I'm just using that status kind of, and again, there are different examples. I mean, there are different, you know, you can lose a, a, a great offensive lineman who didn't score a touchdown and it's still right. a big deal. There are different positions, obviously. But um, my point is, we talked a lot. This was the first, the first name of a dude that you thought was going to see real playing time this fall who had now stepped out and gone to the transfer portal. Portal. All the other names had kind of been guys you thought maybe they're going to go to a smaller school. Yeah. Um, and LJ Arnold was not that. He, you thought he could go to another Power Five conference or uh, school. And that's that's a position too where KU at receiver is uh, like you don't have as many guys who you highlight and say, okay, I know that this guy could be our go-to, or I know that you know this guy can can contribute in a high level right now. That's one of those positions where there are. I think a little bit more questions. So to bring back one of your more talented guys there, a guy that still has a couple years left of eligibility. Um, actually, it might be more than that because I'm trying to think. His freshman year, I can't remember if he redshirted or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're talking multiple years left for a very talented receiver. It's That's a big deal. That's a very big deal. So now we just kind of wait and see because the, the deadline is May 1st. So I would imagine KU is going to go shopping in the portal in a, a week because you just want to wait and see for sure the bigger picture of who's gone, who's coming back, because who knows, another situation like this could happen mm-hmm. or another kid you're not expecting to leave could happen, and then all of a sudden you're going, oh, man, why would we use a scholarship on this when we needed that more or something like that? Um, so I, I think we're getting close to, to that being able to happen, but this is a uh, good start to the beginning of the transfer portal. David Lesky of Inside the Crown is going to join us in about 20 minutes. Coming up next, more RCST and our daily poll here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. David Lesky of Inside the Crown will join the show in about 15 minutes. RCST Trivia second round coverage starts up in the 4 o'clock hour. Did you by chance hear about LJ Arnold? I, who's that? No. <laughs> uh, RCST brought to you by T-Mobile. T-Mobile expanded their nationwide 5G network to now cover over 80% of Americans. And in just a few years, it could be up to 99% of Americans. Switch today to T-Mobile and receive an iPhone 13. Do you think I'm Kendrick Davis... I'm using my T-Mobile phone to look for a new job. Wait, what? What did I do? No, I'm saying you're oh. going to can me after. Oh, I thought you were quitting. No, you're going to can you're me gonna... after the last last uh, segment. No. That was the joke. Oh. Make it, make it a joke. Uh, do you think Kendrick Davis is going to be getting a free iPhone 13 for choosing Memphis? Um, Does he I'm get, sure... like, free FedEx shipping? Yeah, good, good question. Sponsored? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that they, uh, I don't know, maybe he gets to hang out with uh, Tom Hanks because he worked for FedEx in that Castaway <laughs> yeah. movie. You can have all the knockoff Wilson basket or uh, volleyball volleyballs you want. you want. Coach Coach B has one in his office. Coach Bashar. Does he really? Yeah, he's got a Wilson with the hand on it. I mean, it's it's fake, obviously. It's right, well, right. God, I hope it's not real blood. But he they, just talk. Wilson sold Wilson sold those after the film <laughs> yeah. came out. So he's yeah he's got one up in his office. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be a worthwhile a nice little T-Mobile iPhone 13 to, for transferring to Memphis, maybe. Uh, if you were a, I mean, obviously we were just students. We weren't like actual, you know, athletes. If if another school offered you an, an iPhone 13, 
to just switch schools academically, would you do it? Nope. No, I wouldn't either. Understand, so, I didn't get my first iPhone until my sophomore year in college, and understand that by that point I was 24. Mm. <laughs> and I didn't start college till 22, and I was so I was 23. I was it was second like late February, early March of my of my uh, second semester. I had an upgrade, and I was like, you know, these iPhones have been out for about 10 years now. I'm going to give that a shot. Yeah, and now just everybody has one. Yeah. They're their uniform. Um, but yeah, there were there were three big like lead guards that were on the market as of Friday, Kendrick Davis, Nigel Pack, Tyrese Hunter. Uh, in the case of Kendrick Davis, he chooses Memphis, which seemed to be the the destination all along. Um, and that will be interesting for them. He gets to be coached by Penny Hardaway, who was kind of underperformed, but they really picked it up at the end of last year, ended up being a, a pretty good little eight seed there that almost beat Gonzaga. Yeah, scared Gonzaga. I mean, clearly, uh, I mean, almost Gonzaga almost get, or, um, Memphis almost gave us a preview of what was going to happen to Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. You just you put a more athletic team against them, and they're going to struggle. Yeah, so, um, you know, we'll see how that goes for him. And in the case of Nigel Pack, we mentioned he's getting $400,000 a year for two years and a car. Um, that seemed to be more of a money decision to go to Miami. Hey, man, somebody want to give me yeah. 400000 a year to live in Miami? Okay. Right. Twist my arm. Yeah. Um, and I did see some of this, like the idea that this is turned into a bidding war is not the intention of this. And I, I get that. But like, there's also a part of me that just thinks that we're just seeing publicly what was already happening behind closed doors. And yeah. also, again, if somebody wants like, it's a free market. That's the point of this. And so, yes, is this a, we talked about this earlier. Is this a good business venture? No, they're not going to make the money back on this. But if this is just a booster saying, you know, I don't care. I've already made a lot of money. I want to see my basketball team make a final four yeah i'm just gonna pay for it i'll right? say this self self had a quote over the weekend where he said in in in, in i feel like what he meant because he said it, he at first he said nil was bad but then he kind of backed off that and said it's good in theory and the point that he went on to make was basically that you know coaches he said coaches can can go players should be able to go um but he, the point I at least it felt like he was making to me um, was that you're make so, it, it's leading players that I guess the point it seemed like he was making was that he hopes players make their decision based on what's best long term, not what's best short term. Right. But like, but back to that, the the coaches have that exact same. A coach can go to a crummy program for more money, and may and that may be a, a bad long term choice. But they're making it the the, the short term play, um, but yeah, you're just you're opening the opportunity up for these kids to make, you know, good or bad long term or short short term yeah. decisions. But also, they're adults, and so if they yeah, exactly. regret that decision, that's you know that's on them. They're, yeah, they're adults. you know, if in twenty years they're looking, and but but you know, eventually this is all going to balance out. Oh yeah, and there will be less players in the portal just because there will be less players in college basketball once we cycle through everybody using their their extra year COVID. Um, so, you know, it, it, it will, it, it will bounce out. But the other guy who's still available is Tyrese Hunter and, uh, a big piece of news came because we mentioned that CJ Moore said on the athletic, how this seemed to be, uh, about NIL stuff. Well, Kentucky, maybe that would make some sense because you go there, you're going to make a bunch of NIL money, but they have severe Wheeler back. They also have a top eight recruit in the country who is a combo guard who would fill in to, uh, what Ty Ty Washington did last year. So I don't know if that's a spot. Um, North Carolina was kind of a rumored school, 
But Caleb Love announced, and so did R.J. Davis, their other guard. They're coming back, so they have their two guards back. So if you're talking big NIL opportunities and you know, you're familiar with kind of the area, apparently there is interest there with Tyrese Hunter and KU and with KU and Tyrese Hunter. And uh, that becomes very interesting Can because you he is how loud, a good player. How loud the boo barn and Ames Oh, my gosh. When KU goes up there. Yeah, dude, they already boo Tyrese. everything. <laughs> and that is going to be remarkable. The second Tyrese Hunter, I mean, it's going to be – I mean, look, they one of their fans spit on Elijah Johnson. Another guy tried to fight Bill Self. Like, they're animals up there, man. <laughs> But, you know, so you don't know what's, but God, and, and look, I should, you know, as of course, I'm not talking about everybody. It's just a few ruin it for everybody. My point is they're going to go ballistic oh, if yeah. that dude comes to Kansas. See, so it'd be interesting too, if we're just talking a fit thing and, and this is maybe putting everything in front of, hey, you got to get him first. You're putting um, a wagon in front of the mules. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I would be interested in the fit there because then you'd have two very small guards. If say Tyrese Hunter and Dewan Harris are your starting guards, Hunter's only six foot one seventy eight. You would also have two guards who aren't really known for their shooting. Hunter only shot twenty seven point four percent from three. But I also think Hunter was a freshman. He's one of those guys that I could see just like he attempted a bunch of attempts. So it wasn't just I'm a bad shooter and I'm not attempting. It was like I'm taking a bunch of threes because our offense isn't very good. He shot 37.5% in the month of March on 5.3 per game, which is like a lot more. That's like one or two more threes per game than even Christian Brown was taking. So clearly he has confidence there. And I think he, I mean, he hit seven threes in an NCAA tournament game. I think he'll be fine there, but that certainly would be a question. But also you could say, Wow, that would be really fun. Two ball handlers, quick guys, two guys who are really good defensively. Um, Tyrese Hunter could be a type of guy that uh, could legitimately win a Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year award. So that would be a huge get if KU could go out and get him. But it also would beg to beg to differ, um, I guess, what does that mean for the scholarship numbers? Because right now, um, they are even up on scholarships. But if Christian Brown and Jalen Wilson both go, that opens up too. So... Yeah, I mean it. It, it add, but I think Jesse Newell summed it up as succinctly as you can, and that is, um, if a guy, if a guy that talented says I want to come to your program, you f- you figure out details after. Yep, we'll discuss more of those details later on. He's Adam Brevet. I'm Derek Johnson. Real quick, our daily poll at RCST thirteen twenty. We're doing RCST trivia for basketball. If you, if we would do a KU football RCST trivia. Would you join? Yes or no? At RCST 1320. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. David Lesky, next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. And that time on a Monday now as we're joined by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. The Royals got swept by the Mariners over the weekend. They now sit at 5-9, and nine, but the good news is even though they're in last in the AL Central, they're just two back of first because AL Central has not been off to a hot start so far, and also it's just so early in the season. Um, but one thing that you know has been very much not fun to watch for this team is just the fact that they can't hit the baseball. They're hitting 215, 272 on base, 608 OPS, uh, both of the on-base and OPS, bottom three in the MLB. David, is this just a bad hitting team, or do you chalk this more up to small sample size and just bad first couple of weeks? I mean, I think it's it's both. Um, oh, good. I'm actually, <laughs> yeah, I'm actually working on something for tomorrow, actually, because if you look at the lineup, and, and I mean, they've got nine guys. They're they're, they're not playing their bench. Olivera's got to start yesterday. Um, he might start tomorrow with with Keiko on the mound, but it's nine guys, and 
five of them, well, four of them are hitting really well. You've got Nicky Lopez, um, they're not really well, but solid. He's having a good year to start. Um, and then Dozier's having a nice year. Benintendi and Perez are having nice years. So four of the nine are, are doing really well. Michael A. Taylor is, is kind of hovering close enough to average that you're like, okay, well, that, that's better than you expect from him even. So that, that's more than half the lineup is doing well or better than expected. Right, and then you've got four guys. You've got Whit Merrifield, Bobby Whit Jr., Alberto Mondesi, and Carlos Santana, and they are all somewhere between dreadful and horrible. <laughs> and, and it's a problem because they're you know they're they're not. It's not even like they're below average. Um, I mean, the best of the bunch with as far as weighted runs created plus is Carlos Santana at forty three, which means he's fifty seven percent below average. Like, <laughs> not good. Um, so, but on the flip side, guys don't tend to be that bad forever. You know, Whit Merrifield is minus eight. So he's he's 108% below average. That's really bad. Alberto Monti is minus 13. Bobby Witt's minus 40. Or not minus 40. He's plus 40. Sorry. Minus 40 would be, would be mm. horrendous. Um, so in, in some ways, I mean, it, it's almost a positive that they're – hovering at this because when you've got 44% of your lineup atrocious <laughs> and you're, and you're still eating out wins, obviously not in the last four games and not over the weekend, but um, it's encouraging because the odds are it would be very difficult for any of these guys to continue down the path as bad as they are. And if they do, they're going to be replaced. I know the Royals are super loyal, but they're not that loyal. <laughs> they're going to leave a minus 13 in the lineup every day for 162 games. So that's the plus side. Um, I mean, I think there's probably some regression on the way for a guy like Ben Intendi, who is, is a good hitter, but he's not a great hitter like this, I don't think. Um, Dozier, he, you know what? He's probably around his 2019 numbers. So maybe maybe this is a guy you can count on to, to be where he is. He's around 130 this year. So I, I think that there is some – some level of badness to this offense, but I also think some of it is four of the nine guys are hitting terribly and likely won't continue that forever. So that's the positive look at it. And I, and I think that as long as they can keep pitching out of the bullpen, like they have forget Saturday, those games happen and catching the ball like they have. If those four guys can just be like closer to average than then you're going to start to see some wins from this team. The problem is, when does that happen? And are they buried by the time that does happen? And that we don't know. We don't know that yet. So we'll find out. Um, but it's, there, I, I would say there, there's almost, it's almost like there's encouraging signs in how bad they've been because it just seems unlikely they'll stay that bad. Mm, so, so bad, they're good. Exactly. They're so bad. <laughs> You should bet on them right now. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, well, Salvador Perez has certainly heated up. And, yeah. you know, I, as I'm looking at the stats at the same point in time, it's funny because you see five home runs and you're, you know, I I don't know. Maybe this is like a not a rule of thumb, but typically I think of, okay, for every home run you have, you're probably going to have anywhere between two to three like runs batted. And sometimes it's more if you have like a 20 home run, 80 RBI guy or something like that. Sure. But he has five home runs. He only has eight runs batted in. And, and I can't help yeah. but see that as an indictment on just the the lack of hitting from the top of the order as well as some of the decisions to keep hitting guys at the top of the order who are struggling so mightily. Yeah, th- there is some of that. But 
Um, Salvi's kind of responsible for some of that, too, because he has, um, I want to say it's like, let's see, I think it's 20, 29 plate appearances with nobody on and 27 with somebody on. That's a really even percentage, and it, it's a higher percentage of at-bats with runners on than he had last season when he led the league in RBIs. The problem, he's 4 for 24 <laughs> with, with, with men on base. And he's nine for twenty-eight with the bases empty. All five of his home runs with the bases empty. So he's actually having, he's actually getting chances. He's got RBI opportunities. I mean, he's he's been up there um, with runners in scoring position. It's only been ten times. That, that's a much lower number. But for a guy with his power, you you think that the odds are that one of his five home runs would be with a guy or two on base because he's had guys on base or a double. And he did finally get one yesterday. Um, but. He he's he's partially responsible for his low RBI total, but um, at the same time, there's also external factors. Like we don't even think about this when you look at the numbers. But how many times is Salvador Perez up there with a runner on second and one out, and he's like, "Well, Carlos Santana's behind me." Whether he thinks this consciously or not, I got to do something. And then he presses and and it, and makes an out, and so that that's part of the lineup behind him. Or you know, he he doesn't get a pitch to hit. Because Carlos Santana is behind him, and because Salvador Perez doesn't know the difference between a ball and a strike, somehow for a catcher, that's amazing. Um, he's swinging, he's swinging at everything without getting a pitch to hit, because nobody's going to pitch to Salvador Perez with Carlos Santana behind him the way Santana's hitting. And so there's some of those effects, but I mean, Salvi's responsible some for not getting these RBIs in, but I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the, the lineup's got to be better. The lineup's got to be better top to bottom. That's going to help Salvi with runners on and with runners not on. You know, it's just, it all works together. Um, and right now it's not working basically at all. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. is on a four-game hitting streak. Uh, have you seen enough over this last week to think that that big run or, or that big hot streak is coming? Not yet. Um, it's encouraging. Look, it, it's a four-game hitting streak is better than hitless in four games or even three at the four, whatever. Uh, one thing that I've noticed from him is he is he's taken a lot of first pitch strikes and he's been behind in the count way above league average. Um, he's been zero and two way above way above league average. I, I think there's some passive passivity in his game right now, and I don't know if the slump to start the season led to that. I don't know if a couple bad calls on him early in the year because I mean, if you remember that first weekend. There were three or four pitches that were not in the zone called a strike on him. And Julio Rodriguez for the Mariners is dealing with that right now, too. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. But if he gets up there, I I think that his way out of his slump (laughs) is the Royals' way. It's not the way that I would ever prescribe to most people. But (laughs) if he swings his way, I think he can swing his way out of it. If he starts to get aggressive early in the count, I think he's going to start to hit some pitches. Um, I think he's going to start to change the way pitchers throw to him. And, and I think that's what will get him hot because he's getting some really good pitches to hit on that first pitch and just, just watching them go by. And, and I think that at some point he's got to pull the trigger. He can't say, okay, I'm going to wait for the perfect pitch. I'm getting a good pitch here. And, and I, know, I know that there are hitters who they want, you know, they, they want the perfect pitch. They want the pitch that they can hit 500 feet. At some point, Witt's got to start to turn, turn on that first pitch and say, I'm, I'm happy with a single here because it's going to set them up to pitch me differently later. And I think he'll get there. He's a, I think he's a smart hitter and he's a talented hitter. Um, but I think that that's that's when I'm when he starts to make better. I think better in strike zone decisions 
is when I'll feel a lot better about him. But yeah, I mean, I think it's very clear that he's looking to let the ball get deeper. He's going the other way a lot, which is, is tends to be a result of waiting on that pitch a little bit longer. He's taken some pitches that he didn't take earlier this year, which is a good thing outside the strike zone. So there, there's a lot of good signs. He's just not, he, I, don't, I don't think he's right on the cusp, but I think he's close to being on the cusp, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Greinke has put together one of the weirdest statistic profiles that I may have ever seen from a pitcher. He has two strikeouts. That's it. Two strikeouts in 16 innings. So a 1.1 K per nine, which honestly, like that, that might be the lowest number I've ever seen. Yet he is still so effective. Uh, is that yeah. sustainable? Is it something to do with the Royals defense in the park? Uh, what do you make of his start to the season? I don't think it's sustainable. Um, at some point, the weather's going to warm up and, some of those fly balls are going to start to travel, and even if they don't go out of the park, they're going to get over outfielders' heads or whatever it might be. So, well, how much do you think this this different ball is is affecting things too? That's a that, yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think that the ball is not carrying. I don't know if it's a, if it's the actual ball or if it's the humidors or whatever it might be. But I mean, I look, I, I think I do a pretty good job of judging fly balls. I think <laughs> I've been to enough games. I watch enough games on TV. That wherever I am, I I have a generally pretty good idea. Okay, that ball is going to be in front of the warning track. That's going to be that that might go. Well, that's definitely going. You know, I, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on that, and I've been wrong so much this year already. Like you watch a ball off the bat, and you're like, wow, that is crushed. And then there's the left fielder twenty feet in front of the warning track. It just doesn't it doesn't add up. And and so I think that that's helped quite a bit with. With Grinky and, and honestly, all the Royals pitchers, because they're not really getting a ton of strikeouts in the rotation. Um, but, I mean, you've seen Grinky successful. Um, Brad Keller's had a really nice start to his season. Daniel Lynch, um, he had the one, one rough start and one, one really good start against the Twins. Um, I think the ball has something to do with it. The weather obviously does, I and mean, they have not played. They've played basically three home games. Um, well, two home games and one game in St. Louis in really good hitting conditions. And those games, runs were scored. In the rest of the games, this weekend, it's hard to know with Seattle, with the Dome, exactly what the conditions were like. But, like, in the outdoor games, and I guess the Dome was open most of the weekend. So um, it just seems like they haven't really had the best opportunities to hit. And and it helped the pitching and it hurt the hitting. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Grinky, look, he's got it. At some point, you got to strike a guy out. You you can you can play the pitch to contact game a little bit, and, and probably even more with this defense behind him and in Kauffman Stadium because it's so big. But I mean, geez, batting average on balls in play, even if you're good at suppressing it, one in four ball hits going to be a hit. And with a strikeout, I mean, it's always now. So. You got to figure out a way to get some swings and misses. He has 11 whiffs this year, and there are—I looked it up. There are 134 individual games where a pitcher has more whiffs than than Grinky has in three starts. Wow. That's not—it's not ideal. <laughs> you need to—you need to do something now. If there's a pitcher I believe in to do it, it's Grinky to figure it out because he's so smart. But that—that's that's a tough way to live. Two strikeouts in 16 innings that is not. Um, not not what you want, really, from a pitcher. But, hey, he's got a 2.25 ERA. He's done the job. Now he's got to figure out how to do the job, or keep doing the job, or 
get some more whiffs and, and, and be able to make it a little easier on himself. Another weird kind of pitching thing is Daniel Lynch with strikeouts. He had seven strikeouts in his first appearance, and he gets a little beat up against St. Louis. Then in the most recent game, five innings, looks pretty good, but he only has two strikeouts in terms of the run prevention. Is that just weird baseball, or is there something to that? Um, I think it's a little bit weird. I think it's maybe something to that. I thought it was interesting the way that the Twins attacked Lynch. They were not going out of the strike zone against him. It was not the typical Twins. Uh, that was against the Twins, right, that he pitched? Um, yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, wait a minute, maybe it wasn't the Twins. Either way, they, they had a really good approach against him, which is teams will mimic that. So it's, it's not great that, that they put that on, on, on film for people. But um, I, I thought that he maybe overcorrected a little bit from what happened in his Cardinals start when he was, he was in the strike zone quite a bit against the Cardinals and it got him a lot of swings and misses because his stuff is really good. But when we saw three home runs, accounted for all six runs that he allowed. And so I think that he was trying to be a little bit more around the edges. And I think the twins just had a really good game plan against him. I, I, I was at that game that he pitched against the twins and being there, I thought, you know, he looks okay. Not as good as last time. And I, and I rewatched some highlights, not the whole game, because I'm not that much of a sicko, but I, I watched some highlights of him, and he looked a lot better on on TV than I thought he looked at the game. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't really understand completely why, um, but I think at some point he's going to find that middle ground and be successful with a few more swings and misses. Um, he gets the White Sox. That's a tough matchup for him. They hit lefties really, really well. They have a lot of good righties. He struggles against righties. Um, I, I, I could see that being a problem for him. But I think in the long term, I think, I think he'll find some middle ground between those first two starts. I, I, I feel very good about Daniel Lynch right now, even if he does struggle tomorrow. I asked last week uh, Adalberto Mondesi versus Bobby Witt for who would get to the Mendoza line first. Seems like. Bobby Witt is a lot closer to winning that race. So, new question. Who reaches the Mendoza line first, Adalberto Mondesi or Whit Merrifield? Oh, I mean, it's going to be Witt, I think. I, here, the thing about Mondesi, I think I said it last week, you don't know when the explosion is going to happen. And it's going to be 12 games, and it's going to be electric, and you're going to think this guy is the best player in baseball. And it could start tomorrow. It could start in mid-June. Who knows? We have no earthly idea. <laughs> But I, I think that Whit Merrifield, you know, the broadcast talks a lot about bad luck. And, and again, you'll see this tomorrow on Inside the Crown. He's, he's hitting this in bad luck. He has. Um, it's not as – it won't help him as much as they think it will if he were to hit into better, better luck. But um, he's out – yesterday notwithstanding, four strikeouts, terrible. He's making contact. Um, he is hitting into some tough luck. I think at some point the ball is going to fall in. I think he's going to he's going to creep up. Um, yeah, he's getting to a point. It's early, but it's also nearly ten percent of the season. So um, it, it he's getting to a point where his numbers are going to be difficult to to, to raise. But um, I I'm not terribly terribly worried about him. Um, I just I don't think he's that great anymore. Uh, not that he was ever great. I don't think he's that good anymore even. Um, but I think he can be a competent hitter. So I think he'll get to 200 first, um, unless Modesty just, you know, goes supernova like he does for two weeks at a time and, and, and gets going. But, I mean, the thing about Witt, he, he's going to get to 200 first. 
he, he needs to not be playing every day, A. And B, he needs to not be hitting second or first. He needs to be at the bottom of the lineup and playing five out of seven games. I, I mean, there, there's no shame in that as as you get to your mid-30s in baseball. Um, but, you know, he's going to hit first or second, and he's going to play every day no matter what we say here. So that, that is what it is, I guess. He is David Lesky. You can check out all his work at Inside the Crown. Subscribe to that Substack. You can get all the information emailed right into your inbox. Before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right, David, one last thing. The assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand is often seen as the cause of World War One. Do you believe it's that simple, or did the geopolitical instability in that region at that time make war inevitable? Well, look, I mean, if you, <laughs> if you look at that instability um, and you weigh it against the stability that was there previously, mm-hmm. I think that you combine those two factors and you, you, you create an, an environment where uh, Franz Ferdinand is, 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 yes, he's the catalyst, but I don't believe he's the only reason. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, well said. Have I, am, I, am I out of words? Because I, I, I get nothing left. <laughs> no, I, th- I think you uh, speak for all of us. I think uh, you know what you're talking about. So uh, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much. I don't think you'll be hearing many more of his uh, geopolitical views on Inside the Crown, but who knows? <laughs> Stick around for an Easter egg. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yep, that's David Lesky, Inside the Crown. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, one hour down. Two to go. RCST Trivia next. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Into round two of RCST Trivia starting up today. We've got three matchups coming at you on today's ledger. Once again, RCST Trivia is brought to you by Kirk Geyser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, 23rd Street Brewery, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, from the dine-in, carry-out, and catering, all available. You can go out to the outdoor patio. It's Pretty good weather over the last couple of days. You can go out to that. Um, Everyone who won and is in this round already received RCST Trivia t-shirt and a $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery. Winner of today's game moves on, and all our matchups in the second round, move on to the Sizzling 16. Here's what everybody's getting for making the Sizzling 16. Another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery because every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card there from the Bill Self Mac and Cheese to a Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat to wash it down. You get a a $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros. Thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm. You can eat up that delicious Huli Huli chicken with rice and mac salad. Thanks to Kurt Geeser State Farm, who can help you out with any insurance needs or financial advice. Give Kurt and his team a call today. See what he can do for you. A $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, your pharmacist-owned and operated CBD shop, now located at 4821 West 6th Street next to Big Biscuit. They have free shipping and a perks program featuring lots of new hemp-derived cannabinoid products, as well as Delta 8 or 9, and a voucher for a free sandwich plus a voucher for a free breakfast sandwich at mcdonald's in lawrence topeka atchison bonner Springs, shawnee mission parkway and hilltop shawnee and leavenworth that's right free sausage mcmuffin and a free big mac or double quarter pounder or whatever you like when life gets busy make life happen download an order with the mcdonald's app to link payment save time and earn free food right from your phone all right we're done with with that stuff on to you guys we got a 311 matchup between the three seed Alex Stilley and the eleven seed Quentin Marable out of the East. Uh, Quentin, 
you were appearing in your first trivia matchup of your career, and you won. You went to the hard round. You went 4-0 in questions. So uh, what did you think of your first matchup, and have you done anything uh, to get prepared in between that first and second round? Um, it was definitely a good warm-up. Um, I went back and listened to a lot of matches, getting ready, really been doing a lot of studying, um, just trying to be as prepared as I can. All right, well, Alex, uh, you're certainly a veteran here. You've gone 5-2 and two in trivia matchups. You've made back-to-back sizzling 16, so you're one win away from making your third straight. You've gone 21-4 and four on questions, but uh, you had a little bit of a, a rough stumble early on in the matchup last week. You were still able to get through. So have you done anything differently in getting ready for this second matchup? Um, not a whole lot different, but definitely was a little shaky in the first round, and uh, hopefully we got those tournament nerves out of the way from the first round. All right. Well, with that said, we're going to go ahead and cue the music here and get ready for our first second round matchup between the three seed Alex and the 11 seed Quinton. All right. So, Quinton, you are the lower seed. Would you like to go first or second? I will go second. All right. So, Quinton's going to go second. Alex, that means you are up first. We'll start in the easy category. Now that we're in round two, we've ditched the really easy ones. You guys have proven your worth. You can get to this point. So, in the easy category for you, Alex, what guard? scored 20.9 points per game for Kansas in the 2016-2017 season in which the Jayhawks made the Elite Eight. Uh, Frank Mason. That's right, Frank Mason. One of the best individual seasons at Kansas and under Bill Self. Okay, for you, Quentin, what guard scored 17.3 points per game and added over seven assists per game for Kansas in the 2017-2018 season in which they made the Final Four. Devontae Graham. Yep, hard not to think of Frank and Devontae, but unfortunately Frank never got to make the Final Four. Devontae did, and a phenomenal senior season out of both those guys. Okay, on to the medium round. Questions, back to you, Alex. What KU player owns the record for most career 30-point games? He has 22 of them. Over his four-year career, which is more than triple second place. Uh, Danny Manning. Yep, Danny Manning with 22 30-point games. Ron Kellogg was in second. He had seven. That's how much Danny Manning. Danny Manning probably had more than that in like his senior season. Okay. On to you, Quentin. Ochai Baji had a 30-point game against Texas Tech earlier this season. But it was the game right before that where Agbaji was one point away and finished with 29 in a 16-point halftime comeback against who? That was against Kansas State. That was a fun one. They asked uh, Jalen Wilson over the weekend what his favorite regular season game was for KU. He said that one. He said uh, we had to quiet little brother down a little bit. All right, we're going to pick up the mood a little bit. On to the hard round of questioning. Sizzling 16 who will make it? Back to you, Alex. What seed was Kansas in the 1999 NCAA tournament? Eight. Not far off. I think they were an eight. What was it? The next year? The Two following year, yeah. yeah. The following year. In uh, the 1999 tournament, which was the 98-99 season, they were a six seed. I often call that 99 tournament the forgotten tournament because they were a lower seed in 2000. But that was the, the fresh, start, right? The freshman year of Heinrich, Gooden, and Collison. So that was the, that was kind of like in between the end of the 
of the uh, Rafe LaFrance Pierce era, but not quite the beginning of the Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison era. So it was that, that little in-betweener. All right. For you, Quentin, chance to move on. The last time Kansas played a six seed in the NCAA tournament was back in 1993 against what Pac-10 opponent? Prior to last year. I'm sorry. Prior to last year. Prior to last season against USC. The last time Kansas played a six seed in the NCAA tournament was back in 1993 against what Pac-10 opponent? Was that Arizona State? Correct answer was Cal, California. Which I believe that. It was Jason Kidd, and I think that Cal team upset um, Duke. Um, I think in the in the in the round before, and they they played in the Sweet 16, and Cal. I think I think Duke would have been KU's three seed, and Cal clipped them. All right. Well, uh, yeah, they played USC last year. That didn't go well. No, but, no, uh, not at all. Prior to that, it was Cal. Okay, we're gonna stay in the hard round. Back to you, Alex. What eight seed did Kansas defeat in the second round of the 2002 NCAA tournament? Stanford. That's right. They beat up Stanford there. Took out their frustrations that they got on Holy Cross against Stanford. Yeah, was was that the the Stanford team that had those uh, the two brothers, the two, the not Lopez? the Lopez? It was uh, the ones before that, Wright brothers, know. maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll look into that later. Quentin, back to you to stay alive. What eight seed did Kansas defeat in the second round of the 1997 NCAA tournament? Ten seconds. Is that Purdue? Yes, it was. Good poll there at the end. Purdue, the correct answer. Caves actually played Purdue more in the tournament than you would think. Anyway. All right, we're going to stay in the hard round. very fun games and some very not-so-fun games. Actually, just kidding. We're moving up to the really hard. You got that right. Okay, back to you, Alex. Kansas has played two four-overtime games in school history. One came in 1965, the other in 1962. Name either of the two opponents. I'm going to say St. John's. Not a bad guess. They did have a big tournament meeting with St. John's. The correct answer was either Oklahoma State or Kansas State. Would have gone with one of the big eight teams. Okay, back to you, Quentin. Prior to Oklahoma in 2016, Purdue set the record against Kansas of 73 points combined by two players, doing so in the 1994 NCAA tournament. Name either of the two involved players. Wow. Can't think of a single Purdue player in the 90s. Um, 10 seconds. Only Purdue player I can even think of is Caleb Swanigan. <laughs> hey, you threw out a lob. Uh, the correct answer, Glenn Robinson, 
I believe was National Player of the Year. Yeah, I was gonna say if, if you're if you're if you want to like if, if there's a question about '90s Purdue, just say yeah. Glenn Robinson. It's kind of like asking a question about '80s KU. Just say Danny. Green. Right. Yeah. The other answer was former Missouri head coach Conzo Martin. The other answer there. Okay, back to you, Alex. We got a good one here. In 2018, this Villanova player went 10 of 11 against Kansas setting the best field goal percentage with minimum 10 attempts against the Jayhawks. I don't think it's Archie Diakono. I think it was a big guy. And I can't think of his name. I'll just say Ryan Archie Diakono. Mm. Archie Diakono was the 2016 team. He was not on the 2018 team. The correct answer in 2018 was Eric Pascal. Eric Pascal went 10 of 11 against KU. Okay, another chance for you, Quentin, to win it. On December 3rd of 2016, this Stanford player set the KU record for most free throw attempts with 22 against the Jayhawks, as well as makes with 19. Reed Travis? Yes, it was. Reed Travis. They lost that game pretty handedly. I remember Frank Mason had a crazy up and under, but he just kept going to the free throw line. Wait, K, you lost that game? No, they won. I was gonna say No, they I won handily. I know I didn't think yeah. that was I didn't think that it wasn't one was even hand- a game. No, I was that the are you sure they were they won that handily? Yeah, it wasn't the LeGerald Vic three at the end. It okay, was a okay. uh, it was a different game with Reed Travis. Um, but yeah, so Quentin, congratulations! Big pull from you at the end there. Um, did uh, what did you think of uh, this performance? And uh, did you know the answer to Alex's last question there? Uh, I had no idea on his. Um, Reed Travis, I don't know. It just came to me. I was going to say KZ Ocala, but I think that was in the Legerald Vic game. But I don't know. Reed Travis just came up. So. Well, it's moving you on to the Sizzling 16. Alex, this is your first time falling short of the Sizzling 16. I'll, I'll ask you the same question. Did you know the answer to the Reed Travis question there? Um, I think I might have been able to get there eventually, but that Villanova one's definitely disappointing because I knew it was a big guy. Yeah, you were right with the big guy, and then it was just couldn't really think of the name with Eric Pascal there. So uh, unfortunate end for you. Um, and like I said, you, you're still RCST trivia veteran. You've still collected a lot of wins, a lot of prizes. So you're not going home empty this time, but, uh, Quentin grabbing a couple other prizes again with a voucher for a free sandwich and a breakfast sandwich from McDonald's, $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, $10 to Hawaiian bros. Thanks to Kirk Easter state farm and 25 more dollars, 23rd street brewery guys. Thanks for, uh, participating in trivia. Quentin, congrats on moving on. We'll see you next week. Awesome. Thank you. First, second round matchup in the books. That's going to be hard for the rest of them to top that. That was a really good matchup. Um, it wasn't It wasn't a defensive standoff. It wasn't a just pure offensive one either, though. It was just a good game. Good Reed, matchup. Reed Travis kind of reminded me. Who was the guy? Um, oh, golly. It, we couldn't. Oh, uh, it, wasn't, was it, the, it wasn't the Vernon Vinoy question. <laughs> But the guy who, who remember his his mom baked the brownies for the for the team. Um, oh yeah, yeah, with uh, Doug Crumpton Murray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doug pulled out a, an answer. It lickety split. I think it may have been the one about Brown, like who did KU. But my point is, is that's the second time in the last week that we've had a question in the really hard category. 
that somebody just could, I mean, within five seconds had it. Yeah. By the way, I, I pulled up the box score of that Stanford game. Um, it was 89-74. Yeah, 89-74. Uh, never really in doubt for KU. I think but that, Reed Travis went for 29. Nobody else had double digits on Stanford. He went for 29 points, 9 rebounds on 19 of 22 from the free throw line. Then the following year, KU beat Stanford up in the Sacramento Kings arena, and mm-hmm. Frank Mason was there to watch. And then there was the one back in Allen where Legerovic yep. had yep. to hit a uh, game time. That was three. the 18-19 season. Yep. So I, I confused those. but So they had a, a weird two-for-one home-and-home with Stanford. All right, well, Quentin is moving on. He's an RCST first-timer, and he's in the sizzling 16. He'll either play Chris or Garrett in the sizzling 16 from there. Our next matchup today features a 5-13. It's Ryan Goodwin against Ben Wilson. We'll have that on the other side for you. RCST trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Easter State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. More on the other side. Our second, second-round matchup of RCST Trivia. We've got the 5-13 seed, Ryan Goodwin, the 5 seed, the 13 seed, Ben Wilson. Both these guys veterans in RCST Trivia. Um, Ryan has made it to the sizzling 16 once. He did that in the first year, so he's looking to get back there. Ben, this has been your, your I don't know, uh, the block. You've not been able to get past this. You, you've won first-round matchups both year, but you have been unable to make the sizzling 16. Uh, what's going on? Have, have you done anything differently? Have you, uh, I don't know, Tried to cleanse any spirits or anything to try to get through. Uh, I've been listening to the other matchups as my main source of studying. I think in previous years, I almost studied too much to psych myself out. So I'm trying a different approach of uh, more of a calm presence. (laughs) All right. So uh, I feel the chakras are in order for Ben. Uh, Ryan, uh, meanwhile, you did go to the sizzling 16 two years ago. And last year, you lose in the first round. Is that extra motivation for you this year now that you're just you're one win away from from reaching that same pinnacle you did? Uh, absolutely. Once you've been there once, you feel like you should be able to get there every single time. And, um, you know, obviously last year did not go the way I was hoping. So hopefully we can get back there this year and, and make a run. Now, you've talked a lot about the pressures that have been put on you from <laughs> external sources, from uh, friends, so to speak. Um, what was the the feeling like after you won that matchup? Were they continuing to, to give you grief? Did it turn into a celebration? And, and what's it been like going into this one? They actually were awesome about everything. All, all the guys uh, were texting and listening in. And uh, I haven't got, I'm a little worried because they haven't been given, tell me I was going to choke this round. So maybe, maybe they got me confident and, and I'm not prepared. So. Uh, hopefully actually getting congratulations from those guys don't jinx me. Uh, ben, how many conversations have there been for you being on the opposite side of the bracket as your wife, Leslie, about a possible meeting in the championship matchup? You know, that would be ideal. I think my main hope is she beats Nick. I, I think they play, I think, later this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would like that more than anything. I, if championship matchup comes down the line, that means we're taking care of business. All right, well, uh, we're going to go ahead and get into our matchup here. Ben, you are the lower seed. You have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I'll go first. All right, Ben's going to go first. Ryan, you're going to go second. Ben, first up in the easy category. What jersey number did Ochag Baji wear this past season? 30. Yep, 3-0, and that's going to be going up in the rafters. Okay, for you, Ryan... What jersey number did Christian Brown wear this past season? 
that would be two. I saw a little bit of worry in your face after I asked the Jersey question to Ben because you were like, uh-oh, that means I'm getting one too. But you got it right. You nailed it. All right, on to the medium round for you, Ben. At the start of the 2015-2016 season, this Kansas sharpshooting wing was suspended for six games in part from an incident over arguing for playing time. 15-16. Initial guess would be Kelly Oubre. Um, could have been Gerald Vick, too. 15-16. Oh, gosh. It's one of those two for sure. Kelly here in 15-16. So it was six games, right? 15-16, it was six games for the sharpshooting wing. I'll go Kelly Oubre. I believe Oubre was 14-15. Um, the correct answer is Brandon Green. Brandon Ooh. Green. Uh, the key was hopeful oh, for sharpshooting God. wing, but I think uh, more of a forgotten name because of how things finished for Brandon Green. Okay, Ryan, chance <laughs> for you to win one. And move on to your second sizzling 16. Also, in the 2015-2016 season, this Kansas big man got a five-game suspension from the NCAA for $165 worth of impermissible benefits. Um. Cliff Alexander. Wrong big man. Switched them years. It was either Cliff or Sheck. The answer was Sheck Diallo. Suspended five Ugh. games for $165. Stupid. Yeah, good times. Stupid. Wow. Okay. We're going to stay in the medium category. Back to you, Ben. Along with Dewan Harris, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, and Jalen Wilson, who was the fifth Kansas player on the court for the final play of the national championship game? You say those four one more time. Yes. Dewan Harris, Ochag Baji, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson. Oh, uh, it was KJ Adams. That's right. KJ Adams came in for defense. And the funny picture where he's just like jumping in from the side, even though he had no chance to block that ball. Okay, to you, Ryan. On the court for Mario's miracle were Mario Chalmers, Sharon Collins, Darrell Arthur, Brandon Rush, and who? Darnell Jackson. That's right. Good job working through the process there, Darnell. He's my favorite part of that picture because his face is just (laughs) wide-eyed, staring right at the ball as it leaves Mario's hands. All right. We're going to scoot up to the hard round of things. I think you guys both got that right and change up the mood, add a little intense music here. First up for you, Ben. Fueled by 19 points from Rafe LaFrance. What 10 seed did Kansas take down in the second round of the 1996 NCAA tournament? That was the year we lost to Rhode Island. So before Rhode Island, I feel like it's a power five. No. 10 seconds. Indiana, but I don't think that's right. (laughs) 
No, better lob something out. The correct answer was Santa Clara. And uh, that wouldn't have been with Steve Nash, would it have? It was post Steve Nash. Okay. Um, Steve Nash, big claim to fame. He was a 15 that beat, beat Arizona. Arizona, uh, who KU went on to beat the very next round. Kansas actually lost to Syracuse that year in the mm. Elite Eight. Yeah, 96, though, oh. Santa Clara. Okay, to you, Ryan. Chance to get the dub. Led by 22 Kenny Gregory points. What nine seed did Kansas defeat in overtime in the first round of the 2000 NCAA tournament? Duke. I think Duke's who they lost to the next round, right? Yes, they lost to Duke in the next round. It was another devil team, though. They defeated DePaul. The Blue Demons, I believe. Is that the name? Mm. All right, we're going to stick in the hard category. Back to you, Ben. What big man led Kansas in free throws made in the 2007-2008 season by hitting 103 of them? Well, my choices would be Shady, Sasha, and Darnell. We're thinking big men. Uh, I'll go Shady. Darnell. Darnell Jackson. Popular answer on today's questions. Good process there. You got it down to three. Okay, Ryan, another chance for the winning blow. Who was the lone Kansas player to start 40 games for the Jayhawks in 2007-2008? Russell Robinson. Russ Robb, the correct answer. He was a senior Mario Chalmers didn't do it because he wasn't a senior. Brandon Rush, same thing, although he had some injury stuff. Um, Russell Robinson, the correct answer there. So that 07-08 team, popular among the questions between you guys. So, Ben, you fall just a little bit short. Which of the questions that you got wrong is going to be the one that you're kind of kicking yourself the most over? I mean, probably that last one. That's tough, though, because it's three guys you know all played a lot. Uh, I was just thinking uh, Shady was a little better shooter. Uh, had a little more mid-range. That's why I was going with him. Yeah, Darnell just racked up a bunch of uh, free throw attempts, which allowed the higher numbers. So, Ryan, would you have known the answer to uh, Ben's question there at the end? I, w- I was guessing Darrell Arthur, too. Uh, that's I just felt like he was more – he's getting more touches on offense than, than Darnell, I felt like. But, uh, you know, Darnell does get it down the post a lot more, so typically more fouls will happen down there. But, yeah, I, I would have went the same way Ben did. So Yeah, Shady was king of the mid-range. So, I mean, he, he he could work in the post, don't get me wrong, but his mid-range, Darnell did a lot of work on the on those blocks. So that, that helped him get to the to the line. Well, let me ask you this, Ben. Did you know the answer to Ryan's question there? I did, just because it was senior, because it's all senior night deal. Um, but, hey, that, that's what happens, you know. Sometimes you, you get a tough question. Yeah, sometimes draw doesn't go your way, but uh, hopefully it goes your way next year. We're going to get you to the sizzling <laughs> 16. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. You keep knocking at the door. Eventually somebody's going to answer. Ryan, you're going back for the uh, second time in three years. Any uh, message to the haters, a.k.a. your friends? <laughs> <laughs> um, not really this time. You know, I think the big one was I just can't lose that, in that 5-12 game that first round, so I think anytime you get past the first round, you know, with the tech, with the talent, everybody we got in the bracket now, um, everyone you get, like, it, it don't matter what they say. You got to be happy with it. Well, congrats, guys. Ben, thanks for joining. We'll get you back next year. Like I said, we're going to get you there eventually. Ryan, we'll <laughs> see you next week. See you next week.
Bye. See, those are uh, there's always matchups, and I always do feel bad for whoever does lose, no matter what. But there's certain matchups, like I'll be honest, where I'm like, okay, like it is what it is. Like I don't want someone to lose, but yeah. it is what it is. That's one of those where I feel bad either way because it's two guys who have been they know their trivia stuff. veterans, and yeah. and you know I want Ben to experience that sizzling sixteen. He was so close; he had a couple chances to beat Ryan because Ryan missed a couple questions. Um, but for Ryan too, like I want him to go out. I want I just. It's tough. I uh, yeah, I was really feeling it when um, the uh, I I I really thought I don't know the I I really thought he'd get that DePaul question after um, after Ryan or no uh, no Ryan missed the DePaul question. Sorry, yeah. didn't he? Um, and so yeah, he missed the Santa Clara question before that. Yeah, darn that that was the one when he he named off the big men. He knew he had a one in three chance, and he just went with that was a smart idea. I guess his idea was the better shooter of the three, which was clearly Darnell Jack or uh, Darrell Arthur. Mm-hmm. But he, instead, it was more who got to the line a whole bunch of times, which ultimately was Darnell Jackson. Right. So, but Shady was not a bad guess. No, I think yeah, that would be the automatic guess. And uh, the Russell Robinson one is interesting because. It's almost like a trick question. Um, when you think it through, you think of who are the main starters and which one's a senior, if you think mm-hmm. about it like that. But um, it also, you know, like you said, it's it's the difference of that one is you basically have a one and three chance, but realistically it's one and two because you're probably guessing Darnell, who was the starter next to Darrell Arthur, and the the starting five one is you're going to guess one of the, the five starters. So technically one and five, even though the one and five, if you think it through, maybe has, I don't know, a, a little bit more. What was wrong with Darnell? Do you have a foot issue? Why didn't he start, start all four? That's actually a wonderful question. Why did he not? I feel like there was a foot issue with him. Uh, he also, I mean, I'll say this, he had an issue, uh, well, some really... Difficult. He played going. all forty, but he only started thirty-five. So it could have just been, "Hey, yeah, let's just, get Sasha a start or something." Been. I know that at one point during the season, and this story was told later on, um, he had some difficulties with with family stuff back in Oklahoma City. So I, I don't know, but it's interesting that it was Russ Rob of all of them. Yep. All right, that's our second second round matchup. Both of them have been uh, kind of longer matchups. That's what we like to see. We like to see the uh, competitive juices flowing. Plus, it's less work for us. Yeah. All right, we have one more coming up today. We've got our one seed, Isaac Henderson, the 2020 champ. And Nick Schwert has tossed some uh, tough words at him, wondering if he's washed. We'll find out next. He takes on Nick Duncan, the eight seed, on the other side. This is RCST Trivia on KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Final second-round matchup of the day here on RCST Trivia. Once again, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geezer State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChuck.io, JRock Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros., uh, winner of every second round matchup makes it to the sizzling 16. So you guys have both already collected a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and an RCST Trivia t-shirt. If you win today, you get another $25 to 23rd Street Brewery, a $20 gift card to CBD of Lawrence, a $10 gift card to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kurt Geese or State Farm, and a voucher for a free sandwich, plus another voucher for a free breakfast sandwich at McDonald's. So a lot more prizes to be had today. 
And we've got our 1-8 matchup here between Isaac Henderson and Nick Duncan out of the South region. So, uh, Nick, you won your first trivia appearance ever and it only took one question to do so. Uh, I mean, what are your expectations now for trivia? Do you just think this thing's going to be a cakewalk for you? I'm guessing this round will be a little harder, but I think I'm ready. Well, you're you're taking on the 2020 champion, the inaugural champion of trivia, and our last year's runner-up, which I know still drives him in this tournament to get back on top. That would be the one seed, Isaac Henderson. Now, we uh, had the conversation, Nick Schwert, who, you know, he, he could win. I don't know. I think Leslie's the favorite there in the second round, but uh, that Nick has called you the washed wonderkind, and, and you had the response last week to Nick, so... Uh, I, I don't know. Is, is that helping you keep focused? The fact that you have this villain um, on this side of the bracket that you don't have to worry too much about, well, can I do better than I did last year? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think there's always motivation coming in, especially coming off last year, you know, having, you know, some other people in the bracket here. But, you know, we'll, we'll worry about those matchups should they occur. But, you know, we got to take care of Ben's today. And like I said, who, who knows if he'll even be able to make it out of his matchup as well. So uh, we'll deal with those as we get there. But we got to take care of Ben's here today first. Well, there was that joke in 03 when Syracuse won the title. They won the Big 12 because they went through Kansas and Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> you could say the same thing about Kansas this past year. They won the, I don't know, Big East or ACC with the run that they went on. Um, if, if you find a way to make it to the sizzling or the uh, grade eight, at that point, and beat Nick Duncan, and then possibly Nick Schwartz in the next round. You could be the champion of the Knicks, but for Nick Duncan, uh, this would be as as big of a win as you could ask for from a first time RCST trivia uh, contender to take down our 2020 champion. Uh, with that said, we're going to get into our matchup here. And Nick, you are the lower seed, so you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second? I think I'll go second. That means Isaac, you're up first. All right. First up in the easy category, Isaac, what guard led Kansas with 18.1 points per game in the COVID-shortened 2019-2020 season? Devon Dotson. Yep, Devon Dotson. Okay, you had two of the top 10 players in the country, maybe even top five with Devon and another guy that year, which this for you, Nick Duncan, what Kansas center averaged 13.7 points and 10.5 rebounds per game en route to All-American honors that year? Yudoka Azubuke. That's right. Doke. And uh, earned himself first-round pick status in the NBA after that. Okay, on to the medium round of questions. It's the first time Nick has been here. Isaac, on to you. Kansas played the same amount of games in both 2008 and 2022. How many total games did they play? 40. Yep. 34-6 and six this year to get to the 40. What was it, 37 and 3? An ungodly 37 and 3, a 925 winning percentage in 08. Unreal. Unreal. Okay, on to you, Nick. How many Big 12 games did the 2019 2020 Kansas team win? I think. the only game we lost conference that year was to Baylor, so it was 17. That's right. 17 is the answer. That was the record. Still is. Yep. It's not the record for winning percentage. No, KU also has that, but that was a different year. Yeah, it was. All right. On to the hard round of questions as we scoot up the music and change up the tempo. Okay. On to you, Isaac. 
Who coached Kansas from 1909 to 1919? So James Naismith. Is the guy after James Naismith? W. O. Hamilton. Whoa, Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Went on to be a car salesman after his coaching career. Really? Yep. All right, Nick, you have the chance to do what only one man has done before. Let's take out Isaac. Who coached Kansas from 1956 to 1964? Uh, Dick Harp. That is right. Dick Harp is the correct answer. And Isaac upset in the second round. What happened there, man? Uh, just the, the years threw me off. I, uh, you know, I, I was in between a couple names. There. I can remember if that was the, I just got, you know, kind of thrown off there. A lot of those early years, a couple of coaches went through there and uh, threw the wrong guess out there. So. Uh, you know, it, it happens there. Um, but, you know, like I said, you know, we'll, we'll regroup for next year and we'll come back strong. Yeah, we'll go stronger than ever next year. Would you have known the answer to Nick's question there with Dick Harp? Yeah, would have. Like I said, only eight coaches there. So coaching questions, you always got a decent shot at them. But uh, like I said, you know, uh, just, got, just got some confusion there in the head. Well, Nick, did you know the answer to the W.O. Hamilton one? <laughs> no, I think, I think I got on the good side of the question there because I, I would not have got that one. Well, you're uh, moving on and, and a big win here. So we still have a limited sample size on you, but you haven't missed a question yet. And uh, now you have a Sizzling 16 appearance under your belt. So congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. Isaac, we look forward to seeing you back next year. I know you're going to be chomping at the bit uh, for that next matchup, but uh, any parting words before you go? Uh, no, it's uh, mostly just, and I know I know exactly what what these runs do. They're a lot of fun, really special. And you know I know this is going to be a lot of people that are going to have a lot of fun with a lot of prizes this year. So I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, I feel like Isaac's like Villanova. They won the title 2016, 20, yeah. They get a one seed. They lose in the second round, but then twenty eighteen they win it all again. So he'll be back. There's no doubt about that. Nick, congratulations. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Derek. Wow. Now remind me, was Nick um, Nick Duncan? Did- yeah, Nick Duncan. Did he move on because his was he one of the ones that his competitor didn't show? No, because I saw was, uh, I saw he went one and zero. Oh yeah, his, he just but he just but the competitor just missed the really. He easy was the question. one who it was the really easy question where the guy missed. He didn't know what jersey number Mario Chalmers wore. I believe. Oh, okay, believe yeah, all right, it. all right. Because um, I know we had one in the first round where there was a no show. Um, man, how about that one? Unbelievable! I did not come into today thinking that Isaac would lose. Um, and this is only going to create more trash talk for Nick Schwert. I don't think Isaac is washed. I think he just happened to have a question that unfortunately didn't go his way. Um, I think Isaac is still going to be a Titan in this for years to come. Isaac to me is still the blue blood people, of this event. People, or one like, of the blue it's, you know, when people like to pile on, you know, when, when, eh, pe- people just like to, to pile on, but it's yeah. going to, it's going to make, uh, it's going to make the villainy, uh, fun if, if Nick, Pulls it off against Leslie, which who knows? We could have a battle of Knicks. But again, I mean, like, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. Leslie knows her stuff. Yeah, so there's no guarantee there either. No. 
So we'll see. You think mm. Nick is, uh, is is dancing right now, is celebrating? I think he is. I think he uh, didn't want to have to play Isaac. But again, like we just don't have a, a tape on Nick Duncan. For all we know, Nick Duncan is like uh, this genius. You know what? It just... might be. Where's Where's the um? I I keep uh, Doug uh, Crumpton. Crumpton Murray. Crumpton Murray. Are they on the same side of the bracket? No. Because but... uh, for all we know, Doug and and Nick could be careening Battle toward of eight a, seeds? a championship. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I mean, that's a big win. That's a very big win. And that's the thing with trivia. Like, um, Isaac hasn't had this happen yet because this is the first time. But, like, it it, it just takes one question that you don't know. It takes one question right. where you were unfortunate and you had to go first instead of second or vice versa. And that's what ended up being the case there. That's, that's the difficulty of trivia that it is like the NCAA tournament that way. It's not necessarily something where, you know, Again, like if, if the NCAA tournament was a seven-game series, sure, Gonzaga or Arizona probably wins the title this year. I don't know. Maybe Kansas wins. I, I wouldn't totally discount it. But, but like, Kansas would have more in their pocket than from previous years. Right, even exactly. Even if they didn't get it like this Kansas year. probably wins it in 10-11. Kansas might win it in 9-10. Probably in, you know? in, like, come close in 03, I think. Yeah. But anyway. So, but it's not how it is. It's not how it is. It doesn't always ask, determine the, the best, but it makes it exciting. So Nick Duncan gets the win. Let me ask you this. Call your shot now, knowing that Doug Crumpton Murray is out there. Okay. And no offense to Andrew, his is his. That's one the thing. Seat. Like I could see, just see Andrew beating him because Andrew's are really you, good. Are you calling? Are you going to call it two eight seeds in the Sweet Sixteen or in the sizzling sixteen right now? Don't sue us. Um, no, I'm not. I'm going to say one. I'll say one makes so it. So Nick's the only one that makes it. Oh no, sizzling sixteen. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I I don't know. I'm honestly that game is such a coin flip for me between Andrew and Doug. I thought that you were saying phenomenal four. No, for no, some no, reason. no, 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 no. No, just the next round. Sizzling I will 16. say there is a good chance that I think one, at least one eight seed does make the phenomenal four, though. If you just throw the odds at it, there's three left. Yeah, but I mean, Doug two did, of them Doug have been didn't really miss impressive. a question. No, he all didn't. the way into the really hard. He didn't miss a question, and his opponent made got a question right. In the I don't know that was, you know, it's, it's been a. I'll a be fun, honest. Fun start to the second round. That loss for Isaac that might be in the second round. That might be the biggest upset of. RCST trivia history because we had I think a 16 beat a one the first year we did it but like we didn't have we didn't any, know yeah exactly we didn't have any past background that these is probably dudes, the biggest upset yeah these are dudes who have history in this tournament yeah unbelievable um I am I'm pretty shocked by that to be completely honest but like I said I know Isaac will be back this could take some pressure off him this could be the best thing that happens to him yeah, he um, comes in next year as like a three well usually what we do is we just get the top two seeds are just whoever made the grade eight so hypothetically, he'll be like the top three seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just pressure's off at that point. Might be the best thing for him. Reset. And, uh, you know, he already won a TV. He's already won a ton of prizes. So it's it's not like he's lacking for prizes. But congratulations, Nick Duncan, man. Great performance by you. And he's moving on in RCST Trivia. Three awesome matchups. Today we have plenty others coming out the rest of the, the week here on uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That has been our CST Trivia for the day. Once again, we are brought to you, our title sponsor, 23rd Street Brewery, where you can dine in, carry out, and catering all available from the outdoor patio to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or any other great menu items. Don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go with their crowlers. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson. And Adam, you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well. Does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? 
No. No, man. New liner there. Did you hear the Adam Dravetta Yeah, part? yeah, that was a good job. I'm glad they Very finally... Very seamless. Yeah, I'm glad they finally had it. It sounds great. <laughs> uh, this is our CST Very brought natural. to you by T-Mobile. No 5G signal goes farther or is better for your coverage indoors and outdoors than our extended range 5G1 signal at T-Mobile. You can finally join America's largest and fastest 5G network at T-Mobile. Before we get into case of the Mondays, by the way, did you see, like, these protesters just keep coming? To the T Wolves. Yeah, this this lady, uh, I think it was a lady again, but this this was. most recent protester uh, was apprehended before they were able to glue their ass to the floor like the last one did. Yeah, they apparently she was dressed as a referee. She was going to try to throw out, um, or the you know the the messaging of it, throw out the T Wolves owner. And um, what what is the T Wolves? Is it climate change or or animal eating or no? What are they it's because he owns like a bunch of like chicken farms or okay, something. So okay, uh, you know to. Whatever I don't know what they do with the chickens. I'm I'm guessing they kill them, kill for them, and human make consumption wings. Do, and, yeah. yeah, stuff like that, right? Um, and there was a an outbreak of I believe it was bird flu, mm. and he had to kill like it was like a million chickens or something like that. It, it, it was a very high number of chickens because they had bird flu. Yeah, had to, I mean, you can't let that get out. It's yeah, like, I'll say this: so. if if you're I don't know I'm not an expert on the matter, but if if you're running your plants and I, and I don't know if this is the case maybe they're they've got all the safety apparatuses they need or i and it just happened anyway but if you're not doing something to prevent those birds from getting sick then maybe that's that's something we're yes. protesting but these PETA people they don't they 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 don't go halfway at least you no. can say that about them no and uh timberwolves now three and oh in games where protesters stormed the court i thought perhaps they were angry that it was just two teams named after animals yeah yeah Wait, what the timber be? Oh, never mind. I thought you were saying that. I'm sorry. No, the, grass, the grizzles. Yeah. The timber wolves and the grizzlies. Like, yeah, you're you're appropriating their culture. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> like, what would every team have to be named? Just like colors? The Adams. Uh, no, you can't be named after a I've person. Long, I've long said if I become a billionaire, you want them to be? they'll be the Kansas City Adams. Yeah. Would your mascot be like an Adam? Yeah, big me. Like an A-T-O-M? Well, I already Adam? am a big me, but. Uh, but like, a, like an Adam with an even bigger head. Can <laughs> you so imagine? Creepy. It'd be creepy. Yeah. All right, let's get on to our case of the Mondays. Hit the music. First up, NFL front offices. Because it's draft week. I mean, they're lacking even more sleep than normal. I know. Uh, which isn't enough. Or You all right? I'm fine. Sorry. Okay. Uh, case of the Mondays, Adam's knee, which just bumped into something. Anyway, um... Normal sleep for an NFL front it's office person. Probably not good. Actually, it's probably okay if you're like a scout. You just go on the road. You scout a guy. You write the report. And then yeah, you that's get true. your normal sleep, right? But for like the GM specifically for coach, like head coaches and stuff, coordinators, they're getting very little sleep. Um, I almost, now it's even less than normal. I bet it's worse during – I bet it's almost worse during the end of the season and the playoffs – because like if you're coming to the end of the season and you're you know clinching the division and you're winning playoff games, if you're the GM, you have to be at those games to be part of the celebrations of winning the playoff games or clinching the division or you know when the Chiefs won the back-to-back um, AFC title games, you have to be there for those celebrations. At that time, not only do you have that going on, but what you're overlapping your free agency talk plus your draft talk. Like those are starting. Like your your draft talk is beginning and your free agency talk is coming to an end. Yeah, um, I I'm like generally curious with all the 
the smoke screens that come out this week that are leaked from general managers and stuff. And like, what is the purpose there? Because if every GM is doing that, don't the other GMs like under, know yeah, that? They understand you know what I mean? The gamesmanship. Like anything that's happening right now. And this is something that was interesting today. Trayvon Walker, who like at the start of draft season, it was like, oh yeah, this guy could be like a middle first round pick. Mm-hmm. And he started creeping up and it's like, oh, he could be a top 10 pick. And then, you know, we get to like a month ago, it's like Trayvon Walker is going to be like going third or fourth in the draft. And then all of a sudden, like a couple weeks ago, it starts turning into, could Trayvon Walker go number one? And now today, for the first time, Trayvon Walker is now the betting favorite to go number one. I wonder if there are any scouts, like if this ever happens, where a scout will be like, okay, I've, I've only been a scout. I've been a scout with this organization for however long. There's no real upward mobility because everyone's going to stay in their same same place. But this team over there has a director of like college scouting available or you know a head scout job available, like a promotion available. So I'm going to leak some of our team's secrets to that team and maybe get me a promotion. That's not a bad idea. I just like, like I just view everything that comes out this week as like, oh, that's just them doing a smokescreen. I agree. Like, what other uh, reason do you have to leak it? Before we move on, though, shout out to Pat Sperduto. He is uh, that's the, a great uh, name. Yeah, he is uh, currently the senior college scouting executive for the Chiefs. Uh, but uh, I know him more. I don't know him, but I, I became a fan of his. Uh, he was the head coach uh, for the glory years of the Nashville Cats, my all-time favorite arena football team. Mm. So he was their head coach back when they made back-to-back arena bowls in 2000 and 2001. Scouting now college? He's, now, well, he's, he's the head of he's uh, the head of scouting. Yeah, he's an executive now. He's um, officially the uh, uh, senior college scouting executive for the for the Chiefs. So, yeah, uh, don't expect much sleep from NFL front offices. It's going to be case of the Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Yeah, they're going to struggle. They're right. really a lot of basically. Does it end Saturday or does it bleed into Sunday? Yeah, now? so Thursday's first round, Friday second and third, Saturday is the rest. Okay, so yeah, they, I bet Sunday they're going to be. Although these guys are psychopaths, they'll get four yeah. hours of sleep Saturday night and then I'll go golfing on Sat on Sunday. Yeah, I'm just saying this ahead of next week. There's going to be a big time case of the Mondays for anyone who is in Vegas and gets drafted. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. just like they're going to spend so much money and have so much fun partying down in Vegas. But anyway, uh, next case of the Monday. Listen, I know I was a seventh round draft pick, yeah. but can you uh, maybe front me some of my contract money? <laughs> they have like different. Uh, at the casinos, they have, you know, you have your high stakes area. They have like, they, they're like, hey, we heard you're a first rounder. Come on into the high stakes. It's on us. Wait a minute. Then, you a fifth round? No. go. guy's like, go. oh, I'll go in too. I was just drafted. He's like, what round? Yeah. go. You get over yeah. to the to the $5, $10 right. tables. He's like, man. we found this slot for you. He like sits him at a penny slot. Okay. Uh, baseball is in case of the Mondays. Very, very generic. Baseball Always. has not been um, in a good spot. We had last week, I think they were on case of the Mondays because... Maybe those stock up, stock down. I don't know. They all bleed together uh, because that one teenage Japanese pitcher who uh, had back-to-back perfect games, essentially. Tearing it up in Japan. Yeah, and baseball yep. had been figured out. Well, now um, baseball is on case of the Mondays because Miguel Cabrera got his 3,000th hit over the weekend. Nobody which on its own, gave thing. a damn. No. It was like it was, it was like a, you know, you watch Sports Center. Okay, maybe it's just a highlight and it's like, oh, cool, 3,000. Or you'd see it on the ticker scrolling by or you yeah. get like an update on your phone. But at no point was it like a, a sit-down conversation and a like, hey, let's reflect on the career of Miguel yeah. Cabrera. Which And not only that, three th- he's one of seven ever a, to yeah, get 3,500 home runs. 
I mean, it's even a small number for even just 3,000 yeah. hits. And so, then, like, it's a very big deal. And it's a huge... And nobody... I'm telling you, man, back in the day... It's not like there's NFL like, going they on. Would, ESPN would cut into the broadcast to show a player's 700, uh, 3,000 hit. Well, do you remember, they like... They would break the, into the, to the broadcast. I mean, the parade around, whether it's been, like... It just in, in if you go back 10, 15 years, home run chases, whether it was yeah. Alex Rodriguez or Barry Bonds or Derek Jeter's whole retirement tour or, heck, I remember like Craig Biggio is a huge deal when he got his 3,000. Yeah, hit. I'm And that's you. like a player who's and like really not, good. but Not just for SportsCenter. That, that would be at least maybe not the top story, but a top three story on national news services. News, not just sports, but national news service, like your, your 6 o'clock David Muir, ABC News, it would at least be mentioned within the first 10 minutes of the program. Crazy. And now it's not it's even mentioned in the first 10 minutes of SportsCenter. No, absolutely it's, crazy. It's rough, so, man. That's not good for baseball. It's it's literally, I saw this the other day. Somebody put this on Twitter, and apologies um, for not knowing your name. Uh, they were like, it was, it was yesterday when Angel Hernandez... Just as always, he's just a, a very bad umpire. And bead Angel Hernandez. Yes, exactly. And, and I don't like to give officials and stuff a hard time. I think most of them do a very good job. It's frustrating with Angel Hernandez because you consistently see these like umpire scorecards come out, and he's consistently at and the bottom. It seems like he's, he really goes for attention. Right, right. Which not great, but nonetheless, um, he was trending on Twitter for like two hours. And the fact that you can't get, like, Mike Trout to trend on Twitter. You can't get, like, Miguel Cabrera over his 3,000 The one thing that gets taught is just, like, bad umpiring. Like, that's where we're at. Well, and even that took a guy, and I'm not saying he was right or wrong, but uh, I, I'm sure it was intentional. I, I, was it Freddie? It wasn't Freddie Freeman. Who 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 lost his mind on Angel Hernandez? Uh, it was he, uh, Chuck Schwarber. Yeah, Schwarber. Yeah. He chucked his bat to the ground. And I'm sure a lot Which of people. Schwar- Schwarber I, was doing it for show. He wanted to bring yeah. attention to the situation. Yeah, I'll be honest. I thought that call, like, yes, if you go to the pitch tracker, it was slightly outside of the zone. I didn't think it was that, that bad. That felt like a buildup. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Like, that call on its own, if that just happens in the fourth inning, it's like, yeah, that's a little outside, but, you know, we get it. It was. It had to be build up. And, yeah, the umpire scorecard, he only, he was. it was like 88% accuracy, which usually most of the guys are like 92% or higher, so it wasn't the best game for him. But, nonetheless, uh, yeah, baseball, feeling the case of the Mondays. Okay, next up, college athletic directors. Mm. And this is a, a future case of the Mondays for college athletic directors. So this story. Listen um, up, Dr. Goff. Uh, apparently. Wait, is he a doctor? I don't know. Maybe. Dr. Gerard. Anyway, Trav, uh, listen up. Trav. Notre Dame athletic director Jack Swarbrick told Sports Illustrated that the a NCAA Division One wow. breakup is inevitable and targets mid-2030s is the timetable, which, by the way, that's the most NCAA thing ever. That's like, not a real Yeah, break. it's like, hey, we're going to schedule this game, but it's 10 years from now. I had Put some it on friends, your calendar. They bought their fr- you probably experienced this with, with you and your wife. I had some friends. They uh, When, my, when so my friends from high school started buying houses, it kind of started happening in, like, 2016, 2017. And they talk about, like, you know, you, you get your mortgage, and it's got your list of every monthly payment from now till the end of the mortgage. And it's like, this will be your payment in May of 2038. It's like, that's not a real year. Right, right. What are you talking that's about? That's a future problem. Um, I, this is, I'm, I'm curious on this for a couple of reasons. He also added that there are many schools eager to change conferences now, which I think that has a lot to do with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. A lot of Big 12 teams would love to, you know. But nonetheless, um, and a lot of teams below the Big 12 would love to join the Big 12 yeah. there, right? Um, I'm curious if this means when he says NCAA D1 breakup, 
Does that mean a condensing of conferences into super conferences? Does that mean a what has been rumored kind of foreshadowed of the idea of the SEC breaking away and just being their own thing? Does that mean I, I don't know what that necessarily means. If it just if it's just him implying, hey, changes are coming, I'm not yeah. sure how noteworthy that is. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think I, and, and here's the thing. Change in general, very rarely does it happen with one enormous occasion. It's it's there's things that like it's it's small little things. Like you didn't just wake up one day and everybody had the iPhone. You lived through the BlackBerry, and then this, and then that, and then the next thing. So big changes, that that's just part of it. Evolution like that is a bunch of small steps. So when that time comes, I think people might look back and go, you know, they were talking about this in 2022, but at no one moment are we just going to wake up in the morning and the entire college landscape will have shifted. We will see it because it's going to be small steps to get there because that's how these things always work. Yeah, but if that does end up happening, a lot of sleepless nights for athletic directors. Certainly uh, makes you feel good that KU seems to have a good one in Travis Goff and not the previous guy. And uh, makes you or feel a little more comfortable. The previous guy or the previous guy or the previous <laughs> Yeah, but I think the No, last, no, the, yeah. the, I agree. The guy before Goff, I can say a lot of good things about every guy except the guy just before right. Travis Goff. I, I liked Xi'an Zang. I thought he was a really nice no, guy. Oh, yeah. Doc, Dr. Zanger did. He messed did up that a, many football hires. Yeah, just it, not doc, yeah. Zanger did a lot of great things for the non-revenue mm-hmm. sports. Good things happen under under Shan Zanger. In between Zanger and uh, Goff, not so much. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next case of the Mondays. The Brooklyn Nets. Ugh, they're down 3-0. And yes, there are other teams down in their series or who have just lost a game over the weekend. Um, but it's also the fact that the Nets... Like, this is a team that was constructed to win a title. Now you're down 3-0 in the first round. But this is also a team, because they're constructed to win a title, uh, the way that they're going out right now, like, this this is going to get blown up, right? I would think. I mean, I, I guess you could make the argument of if Ben Simmons ends up playing next season and they get a full season out of Ben Simmons, then maybe in, in a full season out of Kyrie Irving, then maybe you don't blow it up and you roll it back and just hope for better circumstances there. But I don't know. I feel like you look, you look at the Miami Heat and the team before. Everybody talked about, not everybody, but a lot of people talked about the Miami Heat as kind of the beginning of the super team, but it wasn't. It was the Celtics who couldn't beat LeBron in the 07 playoffs, so they put together the group with Ray Allen and uh, and KG and, and Paul Pierce, who obviously was already in Boston. But that group, and then the group with Bosch and Wade and, and LeBron, what all those guys had in common was... They had lived the life of being the guy. All of them. Wade had, um, Bosch had in Toronto, and LeBron had, not just in Cleveland, but over the whole in the whole world. They lived the life of being the guy. Now it's like I just I need I want rings. And um same with Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen had lived the lives of being the guy. Then it was I want my I I I'm still in my prime, but I'm seeing the end. I want rings. Um, and I, I think what this Nets team didn't have, except for maybe Kevin Durant, who um, got super, you know, he, he came up short in Oklahoma City. He didn't get the chance to really show out because he was injured with the with the Nuggets. Um, but, it, you know, I, I think the rest of those guys, James Harden included, who's now with the 76ers, never got old enough to really be like, 
wait, the end is creeping up on me. I need some rings. Um, and I think that's why they haven't been able to really set aside everything and just say, I don't care about anything else. What is it going to take to win a championship? I just think it's a bad... Um, it would just be a bad fit of players. Like, and, and I don't even know how, how much when I say bad fit in terms of like the way they play. I almost mean like off the court. And I, and I don't want to be that guy like, oh, the judge of the body language guy. But like, you have... You have a player in Kevin Durant who has, I don't know, been kind of malleable to a certain extent. You have a guy in Kyrie Irving who's not playing half the games. Really, um, and really enjoys attention. Yes, really, and, and just like saying like ridiculous things. Yeah. And then you have Ben Simmons who just doesn't want to play basketball. And like, yeah. even when they had James Harden before, like, you know, that was a guy who... Uh, had a, I guess, polarizing personality as well. Yeah. And I get it. Like, some teams can deal with that, and they can put that aside and make it work. But, but you need somebody. You have to have somebody to galvanize it, Like, right? Dennis Rodman worked be- on the Bulls and the Pistons. Because, well, he he was young on the Pistons. But even then, they had um, Isaiah Thomas and... Uh, uh, I mean, they had all sorts of veterans. Who, who Bill Lambeer. Bill Lambeer. Right. They had Thomas and Lambeer to step up and say, no, this is how we Drew, do Drew things. Morris, yeah. Yeah. This is how we do things here. If they ever got out of line. Same with Scotty and Michael. Jordan was got to the Bulls. He was, you know, some people, oh, my God, that guy's out of control. But no, because they had guys there that said, no, this is how we do things. This is what you can do with your personal time. But on the court, this is how things happen here. And I'm not sure the Nets have that guy. So what you're saying is they should hire Phil Jackson because he seemed to deal with all that okay. <laughs> he did a good job of that, yeah. Uh, by the way, side note, case of the Mondays, Ben Simmons, because uh, either Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons Taylor or Ben Simmons, the part of his mind that dresses him, what was he thinking? Everybody's saying you're going to play and then you don't play in the game and you dress up in this basically like, hey, look at me on the sideline. Should, I am so clear to see every time should, it's down the court. He should have just been holding a giant sign that said, don't, right. don't look at me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, our last case of the Mondays, just the NBA in general. Um, and again, this is more of a future NBA. I should probably say the NBA in December is going to have a case of the Mondays because uh, usually the the prime time for the NBA is having those Christmas Day games. Well, guess what? The NFL is going to have three Christmas Day games, and you just guess guess which one is going to be watched more. Oh yeah, we all know. Yeah, the I answer. don't look. It could, they could trot out the Lions and the Giants, it's and that'll, still get, get, that'll get watched more. Hundred percent. So uh, not great for the NBA that one of their their biggest primetime inventories has now kind of been, uh, I guess, I don't know. There's competition now, I guess is the way to put it. All right, he's Adam Gravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. That's Case of the Mondays. This is RCST on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depending on it.